0: It's Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are on Nerd Initiative YouTube, and it's time to sit back and hear about a tale that is really kind of fitting for Good Neighbors Day, as they say, because we're going to be diving into one of the most obscure stories in the Justice League mythos, but not with the characters you think. So sit back, grab a beverage, make yourself comfy, and let's get ready to turn a page. Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for nerd initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Nerd Initiatives Turn a Page. My name is Ken M. You know me as the host of the ODPH podcast, but I'm also Nerd Initiatives Comics Editor-in-Chief to, I would say, my left, but he's not in studio this week. But fear not, he's braving through the elements. He's fighting to get on the stage for you today. You know me. I can't do his intro proper. Sir, let the people know you're in the building.
1: Coming at you live and direct straight from my special lazy boy in my sanctum of nerddom. I am Off The Cuff, Tom, your pop culture connoisseur. Thank you so much, Ken M and Nerd Initiative. Always a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And this week's edition of Turn a Page, we got a lot going on too, and a special announcement for the end of the show as well. But we thought for this day, which is Good Neighbors Day, Tom, that it is.
1: Uh, you know, I try to base my life around you know what silly day uh, day it is, and we found out that it was Good Neighbor's Day. So we, we were having breakfast one morning, and you know we, we were having the thing, and we thought, well, let's think of some buddies, some some good buddies, and everybody goes Superman, Batman, you know, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Spider Man, and everybody else in New York, and then why not Booster
0: Golden Blue Beetle? Boom one of the most iconic duos of all time, really stepping out of the shadows of the pages of Justice League International, one of the booms in the 90, you know, late 80s, early 90s, that really kind of just won fans over because, let's face it, they're not exactly the uh, top echelon of DC heroes. But, but they're yet, the top
1: echelon of those B-level characters.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because when you think about it, The guys have really carved their own niche with fans. They're very one, you know, ones that really win you over because they're really not that great. And they're really ones that just sit there and you really sit back and kind of go like, why are they here? And why should I even care? But yet they still find a way to entertain you. And what we thought we'd do is dive into one of the more obscure stories going on with them. And that is, I can't believe it's not the Justice League from Justice League Classified. Issues four through nine. So I, I know on the screen it says for eight, but you know, I honestly thought it went one more issue like from where the covers were to everything going on with that. I really thought that it was wrapped up at eight, but man, nine threw a curveball with that. So we Oof. are going to be talking about spoilers about this book and give you a little history about what's going on with that as well. But Tom, like I say, when you started opening this up and really started diving into the history about this book. What is it about it that really won you over?
1: It was, it's it's a total different idea of what you would consider as a Justice League issue. You know, it's not the big seven. It's not a Superman. It's not a Batman. It's it's the B-leaguers. It, it literally is a Justice League. It's not even Justice League International. The best part is it's like so street level. It's so much fun. And this whole series reads like a sitcom. Like you're watching... NBC or that, you know, must-see TV or TGIF or any other millennial reference of a block of TV, you know, that you had to watch as a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's something about this, like I say, when it really is taken aback to a time period that we have to remember the Justice League has not always been the big seven at DC Comics, and it has had a very interesting history amongst fans throughout the years, And especially with the lineup that was here that really got brought to fans' attentions by J.M.D. Mattis and Keith Geffen and uh, Kevin McGuire on the book. They really were going some places with these heroes and really having a lot of fun with them. And that's something that when you're watching these heroes play out, like, yeah, the stakes are high. It's always, like, you know, good versus evil. But what they did here is they really just dived into what makes them quirky, what makes them relatable, And really ran with it. And especially, you know, coming off the heels of a series formerly known as the Justice League, which was a widespread success. And obviously tying in a lot of B-level heroes and really winning them, you know, the fans over. That when they decided to go back for a sequel, it was just, you know, insane to think about in my eyes. Because when you really say like, okay, how is this working? Is this really going to take off? And yet... It does, and they capture the magic again because, like I say, a lot of these heroes came out of the the pages of, like, the early, you know, the late 80s, early 90s Justice League when they did the, you know, re-ups with Justice League International, Justice League Europe, you know, extreme justice at 1.2, and to really kind of tie it in with what is going on with such characters that we know as Maxwell Lord, who infamously is in Wonder Woman 84, that was not exactly the same one you saw in the comics. And now you see him bankrolling this team. And they're now known not as the Justice League, Tom. What is their name? Super Buddies. Yes. Which, I mean, how amazing is that? I mean, it just it's it fits, super. To, it fits to the lore of this team. Like, that's something that, you know, as we see this play out, like I say, when you see them all hit the screen and you see them all just jump in and really are like... Look at that lineup right on there, too, because you have The Elongated Man, Maxwell Lord, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, L. Ron, uh Lord's Robotic Assistant, and Fire. And just to see, like, how this is all going, with that cover alone, like, Kevin McGuire's art is just fantastic with this. You know you're going to find something fun about this, and especially with how the font is written, too. Like, it's just something that really tips you off with Joel Rubenstein's art. Like I say, it's one that, sitting there as a fan, you know you're in for something great. And you know you're in for something that's a little more laid back and a little more, you know, relaxed, shall we say. Because as where this story jumps in, Maxwell Lord is pulling up to his strip mall headquarters because he's now set up the Super Buddies as the DC version of the Heroes for Hire. So, Tom, when you're seeing this come out, like, how are you reacting that a Justice League team is now working out of a strip mall?
1: It's hilarious it's it also threw me for a loop because I didn't realize maxwell Lord was on the the semi-good guy side at this point
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, not knowing coming into this I it was hilarious to see it uh connecting all the characters together and it's nice uh, this is actually one of the first books I've ever read that has the elongated man so knowing Ralph from you know, that other show with uh, who, you know, he got kicked out off of either way uh, to see that. Um, yeah. That whole Arrowverse. Thank you. Uh, it's mm-hmm. nice to see it. I mean, we've, we had hints of booster gold. We know of Ted Cord now from the new blue beetle movie. I of course know fire from uh, the justice league cartoons, you know, fire and mm-hmm. ice. Um, I know she had a, a special direct episode, but to see this is like, okay, what are we doing? Why is Maxwell Lord here? It was, it really did throw me for a loop.
0: Yeah. It was one thing that I knew when they redid justice league, um, in the late eighties, early nineties, and he was a, a big part of that lineup. And I was, I always kind of remember him with justice league international. Like that's where I kind of pick up on him that it was kind of cool to see that, okay, he's now evolved to this. And you, and you always had the feeling like something was off with him, like, like no matter what incarnation you've seen him in, He's always been somebody that stood out and not for the right reasons, but it's like, why is he so involved with this? And yet we find out way after this series, what he was all about. And it does play into infinity crisis, which is a whole different ball of wax, I should say too. And to see him now setting up shop and kind of having the everyday feel go on here. It's a very cool moment, but it does play into just some really quirky interactions, especially with Sue Dibney the elongated man's wife, and their interesting and her condition. back and forth. Yes, oh my god! I mean, t- talk about the opening <laughs> moments when you see them together.
1: Sue is just so. For those of you who don't know. We've seen Sue again in the Arrowverse. This is not the same Sue. Let me just tell you flat out, not the same person you're going to think of. Um, What's great about this version of Sue is that she is just, she picks up on the fact that down, down the street, down the strip mall, there's a bar opening up. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Right. And she's trying to be all sweet and innocent. Nice, nice. And then we find out that bar is owned by an old metropolis crime boss who's reformed her way, his ways, but she's just on that, that mission of he's a bad guy, a bad bar. And like she is so just she's so headstrong, she's blind to everything else that's going on right now. She doesn't pay attention to Max. She she's a she's a lovable dit.
0: Yeah. In my opinion,
1: I wouldn't, uh, this is a hard word, is probably the wrong word, but that's all I got right now.
0: Well, she definitely plays into just oblivious to what's going on. And it's something about the writing too with Geffen Dematis that they really kind of turn everybody's character up to 11. And it's something when you see the butting of the heads between her and Maxwell, it really goes in some different directions. And especially when Ralph comes in there and Ralph gets like obsessed with this idea that his wife is pregnant and is like just kind of running with that idea during the, this is happening. And it's it, a whole running gag. Yeah. The whole, all four, five issues, six issues. Yeah. Like it, it's crazy to see how they, they, they drug it out. And like I say, just when you think like the joke is going to stop, no, they keep running with it, which is something to the writing of this book. Like I say, it's a very interesting piece Because like I say, you see a lot of stuff that you won't see today, but it was in that time period too, where it's just a lot of stuff is just turned up to 11 and you're just seeing like a lot of really questionable behavior from some of these heroes.
1: I don't think that, that this book could have been written in the past, say seven years.
0: Yes. I I fully agree. I mean, it's something to take out of the time period. It's a product of the times. Oh, absolutely. And it's one that will win you over and it will do, you know, that And really kind of describe, you know, that era too. Because like I say, it's late 80s, early 90s. And it's a lot of just interesting personalities, as we say. Because as we go further in this book, you'll really see how this takes off. Because once you see the initial confrontation going on with the bar opening next door, the story does break away to where you see Booster Gold and Blue Beetle Uh, discussing the world, shall we say, and just how their demeanor and banter back and forth is just so off the charts of booster gold being just oblivious and really not picking up of like, what I'm doing is wrong because blue Beetle's like trying to talk to him about his wife, that's, you know, going to die. Eventually he's going to inherit money but she's not dying for 30 years because you have to remember booster gold is a man out of time who stole a fancy suit to come back and make himself into a hero one of the most egotistical characters of all time but yet he wins you over when you least expect it so tom when you you're lo- favorite lovable he's your favorite lovable idiot and the back and forth
1: that's going on between those two is really that locker room kind of talk that you know guys typically have <laughs> You know that kind that kind of style, um, but you always get the one guy that is the the straight man, at, or the somewhat voice of reason. Mm-hmm. It, it's in, it's really enjoyable, especially knowing that you know they start talking over the fact that well, Fire and uh, Ma- Mary Marvel are going to be moving in together. So uh, you know, yeah, you know, let me hedge my bets here, and uh, I'm like, no, yeah, she's called Fire for a reason.
0: Oh, exactly. Like you, you just see that booster is just oblivious to picking up on that in the world. And and that's something, like I say, you, you see this a lot throughout this story is a lot of these characters just don't get what's going on. Like you see with Ralph thinking his wife is pregnant and she never is, and she keeps screaming nope. at him, but he's just completely oblivious to this. You see the booster can't pick up on the fact that, uh, what he's saying out loud is not exactly good. And something to be saying anyway. So Ted Kord is trying to be the voice of reason the best he can. And it just really doesn't play out. And then let alone we go back to the bar scene. And there is an interesting dynamic, and I brought him up on the screen, that you see him make his appearance. Who's that that guy? And that is the one and only Guy Gardner, who has always been, let's face it, one of the biggest jerks in comics. Yeah. you, You can't say otherwise. Chat. Uh, feel free to throw your opinion in, but guy has always been, yeah, I, not exactly a great teammate, if you will. He's always been just there cause he has powers, but I mean, much in the same vein of someone like you've seen recent years, the U S agent coming on, uh, the Avengers West coast and, and, you know, different, uh, you know, mashups of teams. There's always a character that's there because they have superpowers, but they're not exactly, Team players, if you will. And guy, especially with how he's written here is definitely reflecting that because he's very chauvinistic. He's very, um, disrespectful and every he's time- very guy. Oh yeah. He's very guy. And especially with how Keith Geffen, uh, has written him in the past too, in my opinion, like he's always been like turned up way past 11 and his personality, like you, you can't help, but really hate him when you see him. Like, he just drives me nuts when I see him in the story. But that's also kudos to the writing of this, that they really have taken that personality trait of him and really ran with it. And, and like, you can't sit back or can't help but sit back as a reader and just go, oh, I see how this is. And especially mm-hmm. when he's basically saying, like, yeah, I'm setting it up next door, you know, we're going to you know have some you know, fun here because obviously he is just sitting there ripping on every other member of the team. And it ultimately winds up going back to Booster Gold because when they decide to go to the Justice Society of America's headquarters, where Ted is in very good standing with Power Girl, um, Booster does something that, well, is only booster-esque, shall we say? He winds yeah. up getting into Dr. Faith's uh trophy room, shall we say. Um office House, possibly his office uh yeah where he has a lot of uh fixtures and especially if you know anything about dr fate the mystic master of the dc universe um you probably shouldn't be messing around and touching anything there i mean that's just uh, like shall we say it's an unwritten rule I, I don't know but booster decides to take it upon himself because he's still mulling over the fact of what ted said to him and in, in the flight over and for some reason, he just gets it into his, you know, very airheaded brain that he's going to wish that they're all, you know, damned to hell. Because why, Tom? Reasons. Reasons. Yes. Because I, I have a shirt that says that. Oh, I appreciate that. It's a, it's a great piece of merchandise. So if you want to find that, odphpodcast.com. Or, <laughs> you know, we, we have other links for that as well. But as we see now, the group has now been damned to hell. And it's a situation that I don't think they're really grasping as well, too. Because when you see the initial lineup wind up there, and it's Fire, it's Blue Beetle, it's Booster, and it's Mary Marvel who's on, who's with them. It's a very interesting dynamic that has now been cast there. Because they're basically going, Booster, what did you do? And he's like, I'm just messing around. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go off. And then sure enough, they wind up there. And they have to make a cell phone call. And of course they call fire and she's like, wait, what? Or they, they call Sue Dibney and basically are trying to get to them and say like, Hey, uh, we're in hell. We need backup. Um, Whose, whose service
1: plan do they have? I I mean, it was hinted Verizon, but I don't think they have coverage down there.
0: I mean, if you call them for customer service, that's where you
1: get sent.
0: Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think that that was a goldmine they should have ran with. You know, like I say, this was an, a situation that you just have to roll with and really kind of play into as well because they're connecting to the uh, the real world and they're basically saying, yeah, we're trapped down here. And Fire is getting so mad because basically there's one person that can help her and that's Guy Gardner. <laughs> And she winds up getting so mad, she melts the phone. And their only way of communication just goes completely up in smoke. So while they're there, they wind up getting um, recruited, shall we say, into working at an interesting um, place of business and that is a fast- come come and work with me give me fries a number 3 yes well played because they run into Etrogen the Demon a long standing DC character oh he's he's fantastic he is absolutely amazing <laughs> so they wind up getting forced to work in Beelsberger, who you can see on the screen and Basically, hell is exactly what you think it is because it's not exactly endearing to them. Booster is sitting there and basically saying like, ah, this is not what I envisioned. And Ted is sitting there just like, "Ah, you're my best friend. I'm glad you finally realized something, but you're not helping matters. And just to see their back and forth here too, because Booster is just sitting there just, just it's sinking in like, yeah, I screwed up and I screwed up bad. And now, it, looking at this, looking at this
1: cover, I want one of those little French fry hats just because it has the little horns. I have worked a few jobs where I've had to wear those type of covers and just to have that, like, that's too cool. So like Etsy, I'm coming for you.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something amazing to see just the detail that Kevin McGuire put in this, because you have that, you know, sense of you know, absurdity here that they're working at a fast food place in hell, but it works for the story because let's face it. Anytime you get this team together and especially you're dealing with Dr. Fate and they tie in Etrogen, like everything goes a little crazy. And especially when you're dealing with magic in the DCU, it's something that I don't think they dive into enough per se, but when they do it and they really want to have some fun with it, like this is a perfect example of that. So as they wind up, you know, in their new uh, work environment, well, Ralph kind of comes up with an idea that is he runs by Guy, and, of course, Guy winds up being the one to figure out, okay, well, if we're going to have to save him, we're going to have to go down there ourselves. So he <laughs> winds up convincing Power Girl, well, basically he takes her hostage and wishes the same wish that Booster did, and they wind up going, where? Right to hell in a handbasket, as the cover says here for issue number seven. And it's a fun little situation here because it's basically Guy has to go down there and find them and more or less reason with the demons that are down there that, yeah, this is a mistake and we really need to fix this. And Etrogen basically kind of reverses the decision he made about keeping them. I mean, Tom, when you're seeing this play out, like what are you, what's going through your heads as you're watching this all unfold? I must say it must
1: be got to get rid of these guys. You see, they cannot serve the burgers. True. Get rid of them out of hell. They must do.
0: Yeah. Like it's, it's funny to see just how they flip it. Cause basically they're so annoying there. The demons don't want them in hell. Like that's literally what it comes they, down to. And it they, goes, they got in- the massive GTFO. Oh, yeah, like, simple. It, it, it's crazy to see that it played out that way, but it's absolutely the truth. And you see that, like, this is, like, the crowning achievement of Booster because he now feels, like, a weird sense of redemption, in my opinion, like, when you see seeing this play out. And it's like, no, there really is nothing redeeming about this at all. So you shouldn't be taking a victory lap, but he is. But they do kind of offer a weird deal here as well. And the deal is they're allowed to escape and go back, but they can't look backwards because they do wind up running into somebody that is very much tied to guy Gardner, very much tied to fire. And that is ice. And when you see that she's, that, in, she's in hell. I mean, Tom, what's your reaction to seeing this?
1: Just like this, man. I, one, I didn't, you know, it was odd for me to see at the beginning of fire without ice. Cause you always consider them together mm-hmm. and look at that hat. Look at that hat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You always see fire and ice together. And I figured, oh, well, maybe they're taking a break or maybe something else is going. On. Again, I'm not familiar with what's going on in this series. I know the characters. I know the lore. I don't know the stories. I should get that on a shirt. I know the characters. I know the lore. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but to, to turn around and see ice in hell, damn near, for lack of a better term, melted my heart.
0: You know, it was, it was, it was, it it brought a little seriousness back to the story. And that's something that the writing team has always found a way to do. And it's kind of crazy to see it play out. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, this is kind of a wild story. But when you add the emotional element here, because when Ice dies, it does haunt the members of this team, especially Fire, who is so close with her and Guy Gardner, who she had a relationship with. So when they find her, they basically figure out a way to, you know, take her back. And basically the demons are just like, yeah, we're seeing, we're so tired of seeing you guys react to seeing ice. Yeah. Just get out of here. And so it's a little combination of the annoyance and a little combination of that. And as they're going, fire actually slips up and looks back. Like it's a mistake mm-hmm. that's happened. And then once that happens, ice is disappears. And you see just an emotional moment that I really think is, is smart how they tied this all in together because Oh, yeah. You know, for having such a, a, a just a hilarious story, you got to add a little heart to it. And this is the moment that if you're a longtime reader of JLI, you're going to get that moment. But even if you're just connecting, like you see the reactions of Guy Gardner. Who, I mean, let's face it, as you see him earlier in the, the issues or the story here, he's somebody that is really just rude and crass. And, and you know, you think he doesn't care. But to see that he actually. The
1: word is prick. The yes. word is
0: prick. But when you see that happen, too, and especially how he's brought back to, you know, reality, like he has a chance to not even have, like, redemption, but to have some happiness, like some true happiness, and to see it go away, like you see the emotional breakdown that him and Fire have, and it's just such an emotional scene as it plays out. Like I say, it's one that you're not expecting to see, and once it happens, you're just like, oh, man. But once they come back to Earth, well, Earth is not exactly what they think it is because it appears that everything has been turned upside down. Literally you have Nort who is uh, a legendary green lantern um, who is giant size and rampaging through the city. You have Kaiju. Yeah. Yeah. Basically you have Mary Marvel who's you can see on the cover here is definitely not the same Mary Marvel that we know. Uh, not complaining. Yeah. And you see that everything here is just a real twisted version of the earth they know. So you have Booster Gold, who's even more dim-witted, can I say that? Then we saw him in this run, you know, working at not a strip mall, but at a strip club where Maxwell Lord Mm -hmm. is running and Sue Dibney is working at So when you're seeing this parallel universe play out, Tom, I mean, what is going through your head when you're seeing this?
1: Oh, well, before we got to the idea of parallel universe, I'm like, well, what is I had to figure out what the heck is going on to begin with? And then on top of it, like, did we go out the wrong door? Did we go to a parallel Earth? Is this another dimension? Is this another circle of hell? Is this, you know, another thing out of Dr. Fate's, you know, consortium of of knickknacks? It's just a whole it made you really think for a second, like what the heck is going on to get some semblance of where you're at in, in the whole DC universe. And then to figure out, oh, well, maybe it's another dimension really did help in some regards. And to see these characters that were an issue two ago, perfect sitcom type characters now to the point of the sitcom tropes of the the dumb friend, mm-hmm. uh, like the quintessential dumb friend was a step down in their characters, but also a step up in the writing because we got to see two different sides of them.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you, too. I mean, I figured that them leaving hell was not going to go without a price no matter what. Like, sure, you can leave. You've annoyed us enough. And plus, we can't stand seeing Guy Gardner, you know, completely break down here. You know, after seeing Ice, it's like, yeah, get out of here. But it wasn't going to be an easy road home. And as they now walk into this very different universe, it's it's also causing more problems because they basically realize, like, we're not where we should be. And seeing Mary Marvel run into Mistress Mary, as she's known on this universe, too. It's a, yes, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a wild scenario, too, because you do see captain marvel there and he is just you know not the shazam that we know from the dc universe and they definitely have some fun with his character
1: he's definitely not every time i read him i kind of thought that i was it was like a little tweety bird going off uh tweety bird mike tyson at the same time so you know when i was fighting there which makes me power girl uh you know it might even had a little bobby boucher in there too it was it's kind of funny that it twerps
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that they really ran with. Like, they completely flipped the characters that you know and were really having so much fun with it. Like, that's the one thing you could definitely tell, especially with this writing, too, that they just really wanted to illustrate, like, yeah, it's a parallel universe. We're going to completely flip these characters 180. They're still going to be turned up to 11 because that's how the story kind of goes. And you see that it's just getting worse as it's going. And no matter what they're trying to do, it's not getting fixed. And then you see that you know they have to go deal with you know Nort, who's just giant size tearing through the city, even though uh, questionable hygiene. Can we say that all uh, easily, Tom? Yeah, smells like dog. Yeah, like it, it, there's a there's a really interesting panel in there, and I, I could not put the sc- put it up on screen. That kind of illustrates that. Yeah, this is this is getting a little more crazy than we thought. So as they're dealing with that, they're also dealing with trying to deal with Booster, who's the bartender, or uh, you know he works at the at the strip club, and also a familiar face that's working as the big bouncer, and that's Metamorpho, who long-standing yeah. DC hero. Which I mean, like I said, I loved how they took some characters and were really running with them, and gave and he that whole like idea. Shit. Oh yeah, like they. I mean, well, they wanted to illustrate like this is not a great world that they wound up on. So we got sexy
1: Marvels. We got Dominatrix Mm -hmm. Marvels over here, and then we got Metamorpho, who's always been that good, nice, big, barrel-chested, and in some, you know, interpretations, you know, that nice, slick jawline, everything. But no, we got a schlub.
0: Yeah. It was crazy to see, but it you know, it fits the story. And like I say, when you see Dematis and Geffen write this, and like I say, everybody's turned up so much on the personalities. Like that's one the big takeaway from here. Is like if you're looking for something that's definitely not your average Justice League story, like this is your book. And you see that, yeah, the the heroes are trying to find a way to win the day because it's like, okay, we have to stop Nort, we're losing this battle, and now we have to deal with. This new era of not super buddies, but the power posse, if you will, because that's what they're referred to as. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, And to see, like, basically how everything has just been changed. They have a real tough time dealing with this, even though they're trying to do good. But then suddenly, like, just like that, they're brought back to reality because Dr. Fate, who was unavailable at the beginning of the story, finally comes back to the JSA headquarters and is like, why were you grabbing my stuff? And to see the, like, the reaction, like Booster was still just like, uh, it, it was there. I, I didn't think it was going to be that serious. And just kind of like the look on his face, like, what are we doing here? I mean, I really thought kind of brought everything to a, a nice point because then you have Ted talking with, you know, Maxwell Lord. And everything just kind of ends on a very, very solid note. And there wasn't one that was like completely over the top, but it ends like where you know they could definitely come back to the series and really have some fun later if they wanted to. But obviously, different things happened in the DCU, didn't happen for reasons. Not to say they couldn't just come back and do a timepiece later, but it just kind of ends very much like that's eh, another day at the office for the super buddies. So, I mean, that being said, Tom what would you say is like the real characteristics that stood out for you with this story?
1: Well, going into this, I really thought that this was going to be a, a booster gold and blue beetle. Cause that was the, the premise that we were looking this up on. But I got to mm. say that the standouts in here, one were guy Gardner, uh, definitely because you got to see a different side of him as much as a prick as he is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and fire as well, you got to see her emotions that she was dealing with uh after the loss of ice. So mm-hmm. you could definitely see she, she was at a different point of who we know her to be that strong, independent woman. She was on the razor's edge at most points.
0: Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. I thought the characterization for as being such an over the top story. I thought they played into enough that it still wins fans over. And it's still one that like you as a reader, don't get too lost in the story. Like, you know, going into this, like, yeah, this is not going to be your average story that you're going to see. And they really kind of tied into, you know, making Guy Gardner. I don't want to say a redeemable character. Cause let's face it. He really isn't, but I think it's cool that they were really trying to give the readers something different with him. Like, yeah, he's chauvinistic as all can be rude, crass, just an absolute horrible human being. But yet, there's still something endearing about him when push comes to shove that you can find there's an element that, yeah, he is human after all. So when you see this all play out, like, yeah, it's a it's a really cool moment to see all take place. And when you see that happen, it's really, truly amazing to see that he turns out to be the hero that maybe not what they wanted, but it's the one that they needed. Indeed. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, the humor in this, I have to remember that time period with it. So seeing just how Booster Gold and Blue Beetle play off each other, too. I mean, it's classic comedy. Like, when you when you really go back in time and really see about, like, the classic comedy duos throughout history, there's always the Ted Cord who's so serious and is very straightforward, and Booster Gold, who is sitting there just oblivious to the world around him and is just so much caught up in his own ego that he can't even see straight. Like, I think that that is something that shined through, especially, you know, in issue six and seven, midway point while they're still in hell. And like I say, going back to the infamous scene inside Burger Buddies or Beezle Burgers, I should say, you know, when you're seeing this all unfold, like it plays out so, so well that you can't help, but just sit there and just be enamored by like their dynamic. And you're seeing the back and forth and Ted just trying to keep it together. And and Booster's like, well, why are you getting mad? Like, I don't, I don't understand what I did. Like it's very Three Stooges-esque.
1: That... Not only that, but I, I got to give Booster just a little bit of a, a little bit of breathing room, because mm-hmm. think about this. He is a janitor from the 31st century, right? I believe He's so. Still, yeah, He's, something he, like that. He still hasn't picked up on all of the social cues of the present day. So, mm-hmm. you know, take that sense of ignorance is bliss and compound that with not picking up on social cues. Cause he doesn't know the times you, you really gotta, he's like that one uncle that you go, yeah, he's just that way.
0: Yeah. Like I say, he's, he's just endearing enough that like, yeah, he, you, you can't help but root for him, even though he does some of the worst things possible mm-hmm. that doesn't help anybody involved. Yeah. So it's always kind of a cool thing to see how that plays out. And, you know, I think just overall the this, this story had a lot of good moments too. And, and really it takes you back to a time era that we don't see a lot these days. And, yeah, you know, like I say, it, it, it works for the era it's in. So you have to really kind of keep that in perspective that it's that late 80s, early 90s, you know, edginess, if you will, that, yeah, you, you would never see in this day and age of comics. So that being said, I mean, we talked about some good things. What was some things you did not like about this?
1: Hmm. I think it could have been shorter. I think we could have got a, mm-hmm. got away with four issues out of it. um as much as we were getting the camp and the slap out of it, I think that a few pages could have been sh- you know shrunk down a few panels and could have got a more concise story, but all in all, that's pretty much my only real thing I got about it.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with it. I think the one thing that kind of took me out a little bit is. For being you know that long of a story, the time on the parallel universe, I thought could have been a little shorter. like i don't I don't think that needed to be as you know stretched out as it was. I thought for just the initial, they're in hell, and they have to deal with those moments, and especially when when you kind of dive into everything's really funny, everything's over the top, then we go to the ice factor where they find her in hell of all places. And then you have that emotional moment where fire and guy who have been trying to kill each other the entire time they've been together on this episode, they really, they come together and there's that heart moment, which is great. And then ultimately, like, if they ended it and brought them just back to earth, I think it still would have worked. But I'm, but like I say, it provided some really interesting moments. And I always like seeing for me as a fan characters that are in different lights and I like to see yes. something different you know, like I say, the Metamorpho was, was a fun thing. The Captain Marvel was another, you know, really interesting thing. Even uh, the Elongated Man and Sue. And to see, like, their moments where, I mean, they're always just a, a very quirky, fun couple. And to see them just having that obliviousness of Ralph just, you know, keep going back to the same joke and it's not getting anywhere. Like, you know, it, it's it's moments like that that, are like, okay, I think this really works. But like I say, I think it was just that those extra elements like it probably could have been short just maybe a page or two or an issue or two. Like mm-hmm. I say, I, I don't think we needed th- that whole back end, but I understand why they did it because, yeah, I think it had just ended like that. I could see a lot of readers kind of go, well, that kind of felt you know, too short. So they needed to do something. But I think maybe if it was it was cut down maybe one more issue and just maybe a little less time on the alternate uh, timeline, I think it would have worked. Agreed. So that said, what is your grade on JLA classified four through nine entitled? I can't believe it's not the justice league.
1: I'll give it a solid seven and a half. Okay. I think it's, it's, it's I, right where it needs to be. Um, It's not life altering. It's not, you know, page burning. It's, it's, it's right where it needs to be, especially considering the, when the story was written, um the context that it was in it yeah it's right there it's 7.5 it's a it's a good read but it's not like hey i gotta rush out and go get this
0: yeah i could definitely see that with you you know like i say that's the one thing you know when you start thinking about you know like where does it ultimately rank and like for me as a reader you know he definitely is somebody that's read some JLI and, you know, the heyday, so to speak. And, you know, I always kind of read team as well. I have to agree with you, too. Like, I think the story is fun and yeah. there's nothing wrong with doing a fun story, especially involving, you know, the B-list characters, if you will, of the DCU, because you have a lot more freedom. Like, you can't really do the story with Superman and Batman. You know, you have to do it with the members that you're allowed to, to do this with, and especially with Booster Gold and, you know, Blue Beetle, there's always this little quirky, quirky, you know, thing with them that it works because they're so classic in their demeanor and banter with each other that they're a timeless duo. And they never, never lose track of that. And that's something that I think the series really dives into and brings up that no matter what, you're still going to have that classic humor and then it just how it affects everybody around them. And especially to remember why, you know, Guy Gardner is a very polarizing character amongst fans. There's a lot to really like how he is now. But back then, he was one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most despised characters of comics because he's coming in after Hal Jordan um, and really was representing that, you know, I want to say like the edgier heroes, like the, you know, I always kind of refer to comics as before Watchmen and after Watchmen and the (laughs) seat when he came in, you know, after that, after Watchmen phase and he was really getting pushed instead of Hal Jordan and just, you know, the different costume with the chains on it. It was just like, you know, you know, why do we need to turn him so completely, you know, obnoxious, but he works because when you see him work with others, he does play a factor in, you know, the overall story. And like I say, it's something about this era that I always find entertaining. And I really thought the story was good. And like, I have to agree with you. I threw my grade up there too. Uh, it's a 7.5 for me. Like I say, there's a lot that I really enjoyed. And there's a lot that I thought like, it could have been a little shorter. It could have definitely hit its mark. And it definitely could have, you know, been a little tighter at the back end. but it nailed its points. And that's still what's makes it stand out. That if you're looking for a great story, that involves the characters such as Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, um, the Elongated Man. Like I say, heroes that we see work well as team members, but don't really get the chance to shine on their own. This story makes it work, and this story really has you know a lot of funny moments. That you know is you know a, a dated moment, sure, in some people's minds. But mm-hmm. when you really dive into what makes it work with Booster and Beat and Blue. That's where it really hits home. And that's where, like, I love how they gave them their time to shine and their moments to really gravitate towards it and really run with it. And, like I say, that's why that duo, no matter what they've gone through in the comics since that moment, they've really been a duo that people want to see cross over into the DC films, the television shows, you know, whatever the next phase of media is that you can see them together because they work so well. They have a really
1: not- good. Uh, duo dynamic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, term, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right about that. And that's the one thing it's like when you can do that, it's what really hits home with it. And that's the, the point with it. And especially, yeah, there are certain elements that, yeah, don't necessarily work for the overall, but it doesn't take anything away from the story. So if you're looking for a great JLA story, that's a little different, a little funnier. If you like your humor, a little more edgier, This is a really great book to pick up, especially even formerly known as the Justice League, the the prequel to this. They are very, very entertaining reads. They are a unique style of humor, so you definitely want to check it out if you're looking for something different. Like I say, not everything has to be the big seven at DC to be the Justice League, and this story definitely, definitely proves that. So before we get out of here, obviously tomorrow is new comic book day. Tom, what should fans be looking forward to pick up at the shops this week?
1: Uh, you're talking to me, so it's going to be uh, right there. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, 112. It is going to be, it. it's just it's a lot. It, it really is a lot on your emotions, what you're going to get in this issue, and that's all I'm going to leave about that. But it is stunning, stunning ratings, stunning pages. Just I love everything that Melissa Flores is doing right now. Uh, she can do no wrong in my book.
0: Oh, I agree with you completely. Book. Yeah, I completely get you. You know, like I say, everything that she's done since she took over the book with Simona Dion Giflis, like since issue 101, they have been doing some really, really cool things. And especially with how she's really, you know, made this story about the rise of Mistress Vile and taking such a classic character in the Rangers mythos and really elevating it to such another level and now giving this crazy, crazy story going on that now we're entering the darkest hour, which is going to be a year-long storyline. And you almost think that's unheard of in comics these days, too, to get that kind of run, that you have that much time to build. Well, and now, and on
1: top of it, doing that doing the, we're only getting one issue a month right now, yeah. it does give the, give her a little bit of breathing room. I will give her that. And we've also got Ranger Academy coming out as well. Um, plus if I remember correctly and uh, excuse me, I might actually make a, a, a ranger faux pas here. Um, Amy, Amy, Joe Johnson's doing is helping with writing ranger Academy or she has her own book. So bear with me on that. So there's a
0: lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff coming out for the 30th anniversary. So yeah, I, I would say if you're a power Rangers fan or you want to get into the mythos, this is the perfect time to do it. There's yeah. so much coming out there that can definitely win you over. Definitely elevate you into that realm. Like I say, for me, I honestly was never really into the power Rangers until I started picking up the comics. And I was uh, just blown away by Ryan Parrott's run Then now I've gone back and started reading the Kyle Higgins stuff. And now the Mac room stuff has been phenomenal. And what Melissa's doing right now, absolutely lights out stuff. So you're really looking for a great recommendation. That's one to do. I know JJ was in the chat, Alice, ne- Alice never after. Number three is coming out by Boom Studios as well. Boom. That's a wild, wild story. So, you know, I highly recommend that one too. He's got a review coming out for that tomorrow as well. Star Trek 12 from IDW Publishing, that's going to be a monster book too. There's so much wind that's coming out tomorrow. Like I say, it's ridiculous of what's happening. For me, one of my picks this week is this one that if you're not familiar with Comicsology Originals, mm. they are doing some of the best work in comics And there is a book out right now called Black Sight, number one. Stephanie Phillips, uh, Connor Boyle, and uh, Tom Napolitano uh, is on this. And the book is amazing. I can't recommend it enough. Um, My review is up right now on nerdinitiative.com. And this book is something like if you're looking for just an, an amazing read, a lot of stuff going on, this is your book. And it's only getting started, um, like I say, it is phenomenal. And I also kind of have to give myself a quick plug because this week on the ODPH, I'm actually going to be talking to Stephanie Phillips about this book because I am, yeah, I'm super excited about this as well. Uh, Everything that she does right now is absolute amazing reads, whether you're picking up Humanoid's Eight Limbs, which is a very great story, or without question, the coolest book at the comic shops every time it drops, Grim by Boom Studios. That's, that book is not just a story, it's a vibe. It's it's a whole different element and the latest issue, oh my God, so good. So if you want to hear more about this book, definitely make sure you're following the ODPH this week. We'll have that episode up later. And you definitely don't want to miss this book at the Digital Comic Shops with Comixology. Like I say, they got their unlimited line right there. Is some of the best stuff as well. And if you got to get a physical copy of something this week, man, there's so much to pick up that, you know, honestly, if you need recommendations, oh, we've got you because starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow on nerdinitiative.com, the new reviews are dropping for what you need to go pick up at the comic shops. There's already some out today because DC Comics was out early today, Penguin number two, Flash number one, a lot of fans are talking about that one. We've got reviews up for that, and we're gonna be kicking off at nine o'clock in the morning with a brand new Yusagi Yo Jimbo book from Dark Horse Comics. So, you definitely wanna make sure you're following Nerd Initiative on all social medias. You'll be seeing the plugs going on. JJ does an amazing job sharing everybody's stuff and really helping the team promote. And, like we say, we've gotten tremendous feedback from everybody, so you like what we're doing. We like hearing what your picks are. So, definitely hit us up on social media and let us know what you're, look, you're picking up at the shops this week. You know, if it's something we gotta go cover, we'll definitely make sure we do that. And before we get out of here, Tom, do you think that we should give away the big announcement that is going on? Yeah, let's go it away. So for next week's show, we have a special guest coming on. And it's Marty from the Nerd Initiative Bullpen. Along with... There's more? But wait, there's more. David Pepos will be live on Page next week. He'll be talking about a brand new book that he has out by Mad Cave called The Devil That Wears My Face. He's also is going to be taking the Punisher reins uh, from Marvel coming up too. Uh, if you're not reading his stuff, oh my God, Savage Avengers is a book we need to talk about on here. If you did not read that, amazing stuff. He's a fantastic writer. I am super excited to talk to him about this. Maybe I can find out a little more stuff about the OZ, which if not following that book, oh my God, we got a lot to talk about with that. So that'll be on Nerd Initiatives Turn a Page next week. So make sure you smash that subscribe button. You definitely don't want to miss that going on. You also don't want to miss the latest wrestling show that's going on, Wrestling Night Live going on on Like I say, Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Definitely got to plug Rich and the team over there. We got to get a graphic done for that on here. But you definitely want to make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. Make sure you're dropping everything because with everything that is changing rapidly involving um, certain fandoms getting back to work, shall we say, there is going to be a lot of content hitting Nerd Initiative. And you definitely don't want to miss what we have coming because if you think that we've stopped here, let's just say this New York Comic Con is gonna be absolutely insane this year with what Nerd Initiative has planned. If you're not if you're gonna be down in the Javits this year, Saturday night, 6 p.m., I believe. Nerd Initiative is doing a panel, and you definitely don't want to miss that. And then we do have more announcements coming in, especially we are bringing in one of the most fabled award shows in all of comics to a new home in January. Cheers. So a little hint of what's going on. So you definitely oh, that, don't that, want that to... was for Matt. That
1: was for Matt. Cause you know, pops geeks news cheers. Yeah. Yes.
0: Ooh. But yeah, like I say, it's going to be a lot of stuff is going on with nerd initiative. So if you're not following right now, You definitely need to go fix that. And the easiest way to do that is hit this QR code, contact us, let us know what you're interested in checking out. Because like I say, the plans that are coming out, the newsletter is amazing. And you don't want to miss out everything that's lined up for the big 2023 and an even bigger 2024 happening. So Tom, that being said, why don't you tell everybody where to find you and everything going on with Off The Cuff. Off the
1: cuff, you can find me right here at this beautiful QR code. Scan it, learn it, live it, love it, link it. I don't care. I just want to see you there.
0: Absolutely. And for me, well, actually, we'll, we'll plug Matt since he could not be here. Uh, Hopsky Snooze will be back in the building next week. So Matt's got a lot of stuff going on there as well. Uh, you definitely want to check out what's what happening with him. And if you want to find out what's going on with me and the ODPH, and make sure to hit that follow and subscribe button for that Stephanie Phillips interview. Simple. Hit that QR code at odpagepodcast.com. we will definitely be your hookup and we'll definitely have a lot of content dropping for you as well. So that being said, Tom, thank you as always for joining us in the studio. Well, I'd say the virtual studio this time. I'm so used to you being here. It's, it's kind of weird without you. Uh, it's okay. You're still my super buddy. Oh, you <laughs> and everybody that's watching around the world. Thank you so much for checking us out here on nerd initiative, turn a page. And remember, When you're at the comic shops and you have a great issue in your hand and you see somebody struggling to find something, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. See you next time.